Jesus, we thank you uh, that you gave it all uh, in order that we might have life in you and with you. And we acknowledge, as it says in the scriptures, that everything we have comes from you. And so as we give back uh, a portion, we ask for you to bless it because you can make it do so much more than what we can. Um, and so would you, would you bless it? cause these gifts to go further than they could on their own uh, to draw people to yourself and uh, to help us grow in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. If there are any kids still in the room, you can Go back to the children's ministry. It looks like they all went over there already. So if you are new, uh, the first Sunday of every month is our family worship. So it's fun to have our kids in here every uh, first Sunday of the month um, to, to worship with us. And so if you noticed that this morning, that that's what was going on. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, we have one of our missions partners here with us this morning. I invite up Luke Soley, uh, Luke and his wife, Hannah. Yeah, give them a, a round of applause. Are with uh, YWAM, and they happen to be in town, and so we wanted to give Luke a, a couple of minutes to kind of update us on uh, his ministry, their ministry, and how we might be able to pray for them. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys. It's good to worship with you. Um, like Pastor Adam said, um, we're one of um, Vineyard Church's mission partners, and we are with YWAM Nashville, down in Nashville, kind of. We're in Adams, Tennessee, north of Nashville, and um, I'm going to set a timer for myself because I'm not known for my brevity. Um, but yeah, just to share a little bit of what we do. So YWAM was founded in 1960 by Lauren Cunningham, and he had a vision of um, waves crashing on the shores of all the nations of the earth. And as he continued to watch, um, all of a sudden, the, the waves that were crashing, crashing on the shores became young people. And at that time, it was not commonplace whatsoever that a young person would even be considered capable of missions and sharing the gospel. And so, anyways, he's taken that heart, and the Lord has just expanded that vision and... Um, to what we're a part of today. And so um, that has been the mission all along, is to go and share the gospel with all the nations of the earth. And um, I was just praying this morning, asking the Lord if there's anything specific that he wanted to share. And one thing that he brought to my heart was Revelation 7, 9. And um, John obviously is having this ridiculous encounter and this is how it reads. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes, people, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. And uh, isn't that what we're a part of? God is like gathering a family from every people, tribe, nation, and language, and 
we get to be a smart, small part of that at Wyoming Nashville. And so primarily um, our focus is the discipleship training school. And so um, what that is, is a two-phase program. It's roughly five and a half to six months. And so we have a team of students that will come in. Um, not all young people, it is called Youth with a Mission, but it's not exclusively youth. And what we do is for the first three months, we um, just dive into the scriptures together. We bring in teachers from all over the place, and they each have a designated teaching week, and they'll be teaching on a specific aspect of how God relates to us and um, his character and nature. For example, we'll have Father Heart of God teaching for a week. So it'll be roughly two and a half, three hours a day for five days. Father Heart of God will um, have teachers come on, speak on evangelism, and do evangelism equipping, the Great Commission, identity, and inner healing. And the whole goal is just to be encountered by the love of God and grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with Him and grow in wisdom and understanding. And then with what we receive, then to go out and take it to the world. And, and so generally, um, generally, we'll go on an international outreach. And so this last fall, we had 10 students, a few of them from uh, Indianapolis, actually, the Wolf family and uh, Zach Butler and... Um, we went to Vietnam, most of us, some, some of our group ended up going to Puerto Rico, and we just shared the gospel. We partnered with the local ministries there, um, the Vietnamese believers, and it's just incredible to see what God's doing in the, in the earth. And one thing that always shocks me is, and even though this is the most basic thing ever, is that God is the same everywhere. <laughs> and so... You know, our DTS outreach for my wife and I, Hannah, and our three little kiddos, we went to Thailand. And the first thing we did there is we, um, had a we went to a hospitality house, got culture orientation, and then that Sunday we went and visited um, the man that was going to be leading our um, ministry and showed up, and he was doing a church service, just sitting on the floor with some other Thai believers that had actually come out of the correctional facility. And I'm like, man, the Holy Spirit is the same here as he is everywhere else. And so... Um, yeah, so that's what we do. We, we equip, we dive into the Word together, and we go and share the gospel all unto this revelation passage where every people, tribe, nation, and language will be standing before the throne of God, worshiping Him. And uh, so, yeah, just thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your prayers. We love the vineyard. We were um, part of the vineyard when we lived here in um, directly following our marriage, and, or I guess before our marriage, and we moved to Tennessee in late 2018, but uh, the vineyard has always remained like in our hearts as our family church, and so, um, yeah, we love you guys. Um, just some ways that you could pray for us. We have, currently, we have 11 accepted students for the school, a few others that we're praying over their applications, and um, I would just ask for prayers that, like, as we dive in together, that would become a family and that would be truly be encountered by the love of God, truly be encountered um, in his word and through the teaching that comes and truly like receive a heart to share the gospel and see Jesus magnified in the earth. And uh, yeah, any other prayers that the Lord brings to your mind too, but just that we would have true, genuine encounter and that our hearts would truly be to share what we've received from the Lord and give it out to the world. So thank you guys so much. That's great. Thanks, Luke. Um, why don't we have a couple of our elders come up, and uh, I know we have a prayer team that prays for our missions partners, so if you guys can come up, we will uh, pray for Luke. Give you a moment to come on up.
And if uh, the rest of you, as, as we do here, would just extend a hand in agreement, nothing, nothing magical, but just a way of saying um, we, we support you, we're, we're with you. Um, so I, I'll pray for Luke now. Jesus, thank you for Luke and Hannah and their kids. Thank you for calling them to YWAM, um, for leading them to Nashville. Uh, we thank you for the fruit that they've been able to see um, tra traveling and working with students and going to different parts of the world. We just ask that you continue to bless them, that they would see fruit, that as their hearts desire, that the King of Kings would receive the inheritance that's due his name, um, that they would see people come to know you and, and young people growing in passion uh, for you and that you would also raise up financial support for them, that that would not be a worry, and they would see your miraculous provision. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Luke. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Adam Casel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Uh, as a reminder, our mission is to encounter the love and power of God and give it away to the world. Um, if you're new or, or want to get more connected, there are cards on the seat back in front of you, um, physical, digital, um, great, great way to get some information. We have posters out in the lobby um, for different ministries that we have, what's happening this week, small group, etc. Well, happy Labor Day. It is the unofficial, official end of summer. Many of us have a long weekend. Pools are closing. Our neighborhood public pools are closing. School is back in session. I got to say, I'm still not used to how early in Indiana school starts. It is, it's odd to me. End, end of July, beginning of August. I was used to after Labor Day or the week before. But most importantly, college football is back. It, yes. I mean, technically there were games last weekend, but yesterday it started in earnest. With it being Labor Day, it seems like a good opportunity to talk about work. The U.S. Department of Labor says that Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements of American workers. Those of us who have a long weekend are, are likely very thankful for that because rest is good it's a gift from God. Work is good. It's a gift from God. Work and rest have an interconnected relationship with each other. We cannot separate them because if we work without rest, that's going to lead to burnout. But if we rest without work, that leads to a loss of purpose. Now, as I talk about work, I don't necessarily mean a job. All right, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that, but if, if you don't have a job, this message still applies to you. We're going to look at a brief, famous passage that we may not realize is actually talking about work. The passage is in Deuteronomy 6, so if you have a Bible, I invite you uh, to join me there. We have physical Bibles up on the subwoofers. Uh, I know a lot of us have electronic versions if you're not exactly sure where Deuteronomy is, it's the fifth book of the Bible. So if you start at the beginning and work your way in, you'll get there pretty quickly. Starting in uh, chapter 6, 
Uh, we're going to look just at two verses. These might be the two most prayed verses ever. Because for millennia, faithful Jewish men and women, night and day, have prayed these two verses. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? The, one of these verses was part of Jesus' answer. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that you and you alone are our God. We thank you that you have set us free to be able to love you with our heart, our soul, and our might. Lord, we thank you for the gift of work. And I just ask now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive um, what you have for us. I trust that you have something to say and to do in each one uh, listening. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The number one thing that I want us to take away from this morning is that as God's kingdom partners, we are called to love God through our work. If you are tempted to maybe scoff at this notion or to think it doesn't apply to you because of your life stage or primary role, I'm going to ask, stick with me, bear with me. We're going to look at three questions this morning. What is it? Why does it matter? How do we do it? When we talk about loving God through our work, what is it? Why does it matter? How do we do it? Now, this is going to be a bit more topical than, than normal, and we're going to use these two verses as our launching point. But as we look at uh, a few words, you'll, you'll see why there's the connection of this verse to work. I want to remind us a few things about how the Bible talks about work. In a, in a very unique way, the Bible is incredibly positive about work. This stands in stark contrast to other religious and, and worldviews of that time. One of the things that we see in the Bible is that it's good. Work is not a punishment. There was work in the garden before the fall. Part of the curse is that now, as one translation puts it, there's thorns and thistles as a part of our work. An example of a thorn or a thistle is that you have a, a major battery issue with your iPad and, and the sermon or file or whatever you're working on is gone and you have to start over. That's purely hypothetical. That didn't happen this week. <laughs> Another thing that we see about work and the Bible is that there is no hierarchy of work. Mental work is not greater than manual labor. That is not a part of the Hebraic thought. That is a later Greek thought and development. As an example, Jesus himself was a manual laborer. Carpenter is probably not a great translation. He was actually probably more a stonemason. Most of Jesus' disciples were manual laborers. The Apostle Paul had a world-class education, and he made tents, and there were times he relied on financial support from others so that he could focus on teaching and preaching the good news about Jesus. What the Bible focuses on is the type of worker 
that we are. The Bible exhorts us to be wise, loving, merciful, just, and content in our work. That the way we treat others through our work is not to depend on one's social position. I'd also argue that the Bible talks about work as not necessarily what you get paid to do. Work is about calling and purpose. Our job is often how we receive financial provision and the most common expression of our work. And the times that our job and our work, our purpose or calling can overlap, the most fulfilled we may feel. So I'm going to kind of use work to dip in and out of talking about a job and about our purpose. A brief definition of work is it's what benefits others. So some of us, our work, we don't get paid to do. A stay-at-home mom and a stay-at-home dad, they're working, and they're not getting paid for that. If you volunteer either in a ministry or a community center or with a school, that's work. That's really crucial work, and you're not getting paid for that. Our retired friends among us, you may no longer have a job, but there's still work for you. There's still a calling and a purpose on your life. I think it's also important that we don't think of work just what we get paid to do because there are things we can receive financial compensation for that's not work. Work is good. There is no hierarchy. It's not about getting paid, but it's about purpose and benefiting others. So again, we're going to look at how God, as God's kingdom partners, we're called to love God through our work. So what is it? What does it look like, or what does it mean to love God through our work? And how does this passage have anything to do with work? I'm going to look at just real briefly three words. The first word that we are called, we're called to love God with our heart. In Hebrew, that's lev or lavav. Real briefly, our heart from, from a, this mindset is our command center. It's a place where thoughts and emotions occur. It's where wisdom and truth is discerned. It can talk about the physical heart, that organ inside of our chest, but often more the, the non-physical things. Again, our, also our affections or desires. So that's the heart. Then, then it says to love God with all of our soul. The Hebrew word is nefesh. Don't think the disembodied part of you. Literally, it means throat. It's who you are. Your soul is who you are. It's not what you have. Your entire being, meaning your life and your body with your capabilities and limitations, are expressions of your soul. So these two words are incorporating our whole person. Physical and non-physical. That's what we're talking about. So what's the deal with this word, might? It's the Hebrew word me'od. It occurs 300 times in the Hebrew Bible, almost exclusively. It means very or great. It's used to, to emphasize 
another word. So the first occurrence is Genesis 1.31, where God looks over creation. He's called every day good, and then he gets to the end, and he says it's very good. It's tov me'od. So why is it translated here as might? It's not about the idea of trying really hard. Oh, God, I'm going to love you as hard as I can. Might is not a very good translation. It's probably influenced by the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament where they uh, use the word dunamis, which often has to do with power and strength. The Aramaic translation talked about we- translated as wealth. And so rabbis over the years kind of meditating on this have seen this to mean our work. Loving God with our meod is our work. Our our work is actually an intensification and, ex- and an expression of who we are. Our heart and our soul comes through in our work. Work that we don't care about is difficult to sustain. We may be physically present, but spiritually we're not there. We're literally disintegrated. This is how we get into loving Fridays and hating Mondays. And, we, and Sunday afternoon, we t- start to experience those Sunday scaries. Oh, no, tomorrow's Monday. Thank God for Friday. This type of work over a long period of time breaks us apart. I'll come back to this. Work is not our identity. Our value and our worth is not dependent on our work. It's, it's really important that we understand that. However, it is, it is an expression of who we are. So there's this tension. It's not who I am, but it is an expression of who I am. If, we, if our work is intimately tied to our job, then when we lose our job, we may lose a sense of who we are easy to let that happen. So again, work is an expression and intensification of us. And that's another reason why I think when, when our work is criticized, we can feel criticized. So even if the right person in the right way can come up to us and say, hey, I, I, need, I need better. This isn't good enough. You know, for, for our company or this role or who you are, we need, need you to do a little bit better. We can, what we can hear is, you aren't good enough. It's easy for shame to come in alongside. Or when, when we make a meal and the response from our kids is, this food is gross. Ugh, meatloaf again. I, I literally, the money I made bought these groceries, and it took me time to make this food, and that's the response, because it's an expression of us. Our life has literally been poured out. Or for those artists among us, what, you know, to, put, to create something and put it out for others to look at, why, when it gets critiqued, it feels like it's a critique of us. Because our ode, our work, is an expression of our heart and our soul. So loving God through our work is bringing our whole selves to what we've been called and created to do. Randy last week looked at 
Romans 12, and he talked about offering our full selves. This is, this is a part of offering our full selves to God, which leads us into the next part. Why does it matter that we love God through our work? It's because our work can be an expression of worship. Last week, Randy shared that quote from John Wimber about worship, that it's freely giving our love to God. So if, freely, if worship is freely giving our love to God and we're able to love God through our work, then our work becomes a means of worship. That's no small matter. We acknowledge that our gifts and talents and ability to work are all a gift from God, and we respond with worship through our work. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has this amazing quote I'm going to read that I think hits on this so well. He said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera. And sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. This is the money line. Sweep streets so well that all the host and heaven of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. That's it. That's how we worship God through our work. It's by doing the best that we're able. He's not denigrating this job of, of sweeping streets, and he's also recognizing, no, it's not glamorous, but do it as if it is. Do it as if people would say, that's a work of art. Often we think about giving our interior life through worship with the, the words of our lips, dancing or, or flagging or, or playing instruments to the Lord, doing something we enjoy, appreciating creation. Those are expressions of worship. But what about, what about the work of our hands? What if that was an expression of worship? Our gifts and talents come from God, and how we use them can be an expression of worship and way to honor him. Another reason why it matters is because work gives us a purpose. When I was in seminary, I took a class called Social and Cultural Exegesis. I don't know why graduate school has to have these fancy names for classes. Essentially, it was how to look at what's going on around us through a biblical and theological framework. One of the books that we had to read was called When Work Disappears, The World of the New Urban Poor by Dr. William uh, Julius Wilson, who was a University of Chicago and Harvard sociology professor. This book, um, super interesting, it critiques a lot of the simplistic liberal and con conservative views on poverty. And he goes through, does empirical and anecdotal evidence to show that the real challenge is joblessness. And he looks primarily at two cities, Calumet City, the south side of Chicago, and a, a city in Switzerland where they both had something similar happen. Uh, job, a, a factory shut down or industry shut down, and it moved into poverty at a really fast pace. In both places, they... You, they saw increase of crime, uh, increase of mental and emotional health issues, and uh, an increase in addiction. 
So his whole thing is that joblessness is one of the worst things to happen to a purpose or to, to a person because work gives us purpose. Men, for us specifically, work gives us purpose. Studies have shown a lack of purpose impacts us physiologically. Hormone levels change. Testosterone goes down if men don't feel like they have a sense of purpose. Work is important. It's a way for us to love God. You have an important role to play, able to express that through your, your calling, your purpose, your work, and it can be an offering to God. So we look briefly, what, what is it to love God through our, uh, through our work? Why does it matter? So how do we do it? I'm going to keep this brief. I've got more in my notes. Those will be on the website. Um, just mindful of the time. There's lots of ways that we can love God through our work. And I want to focus on one word, honor. One way is to honor ourselves. Honor who it is that God has created us to be. So at the beginning, I talked about how we can be physically present, but spiritually absent in our job. And if we're in that situation, it can be really hard to love God through our work. And so I think part of this is being honest about who we are, who has God created us to be, and how is that best expressed? For myself, I realized I, I need to see progress. I have a high value in seeing progress, things completed. And I've had jobs where they were incredibly repetitive. There was no end in sight. Some of you may love that. That's great. But I think it's imperative that we honor ourselves. Who has God created us to be, and how can that find some expression for us? So some of us are in that place right, right now. You love what you do. You, you see this significant overlap in your, your calling and your job. That's amazing. Keep going. Keep at it. Others here in this room, you're on, on the way there, kind of paying your dues, getting certification, getting degrees. Use this time to really know yourself more. Others of us may be in this purgatory or worse. I've been there. I know what that's like. My encouragement is it's a testing ground. You're being refined. You're not being punished. You're not being punished. This may be an invitation to re-examine where you are, who, who God's called you to be, and kind of wake up a little bit because it's easy to get into a rut. If you want out and there aren't opportunities, just keep persevering, asking the Lord to give insight and to sustain you and to provide other opportunities. The other way we can honor is actually honoring other people in and through our work. Celebrate others. As, as Paul tells the, the Galatians that we reap what we sow. And so I think if we're people who 
who celebrate other people. You know, our, our, our speech starts to be seasoned with grace. People notice that because the native language of the world is to complain. It's to complain and to put other people down. And we're going to speak in a strange tongue if we celebrate other people, if we encourage and affirm others and who God's made them to be and the work that they're doing. Others will start to take notice. So again, loving, loving God through our work is... Uh, we, we can see expressed through honoring ourselves, who God's made us to be, and othering, honoring others around them in the work that they are doing and who they are as people. So if uh, Amy and the ministry team can come forward. As a wrap-up, Again, we're looking at how, as God's kingdom partners, we're called to love God through our work. Our, our work is often an expression of who we are, who God's created us to be. It's our heart and our soul put out there for other people. And the reason to love God through our work is that it, it can be an expression of worship and and work is one of the things that can help give us a sense of purpose. And the way we do it is to honor ourselves and to honor others maybe that we work with in our, in our company or a lot of interaction with because of our work. Every week we give people an opportunity to, to respond by, by coming forward uh, to receive prayer. Our ministry teams are happy to pray for any number of things that um, might be going on, any physical, emotional, or, or spiritual need. Um, I do have a, a few things I want to highlight. Um, I think there's an invitation specifically for those who are struggling with a sense of of the work that they've been called to in a sense of purpose. And tied to that, I think the Lord wants to bring some freedom that some of us are feeling restricted, that our work almost kind of, or maybe expressing our job kind of feels more like bondage than really an opportunity to love God through it as a, as a way of worshiping God. Um, Heather, Jesse, this morning in our pre-service meeting saw just a, a black cup of coffee. She said she, she doesn't like having coffee, her coffee like that because it's too bitter, but she saw marshmallows being dropped in. I don't know, but that doesn't sound very good to me, but maybe to you it does. But what she has a sense of, that the Lord wants to do is to sweeten Mondays for some of us. That work kind of feels like a, a bitter cup of coffee and the Lord wants to bring some sweetness to it. So we've got a couple of, maybe one or two other words here.
My name is Nick, uh, operating in the role of prophetic discerner with Delena today. If you have uh, a word that you believe is something that would be encouraging to the whole ch church body for this Sunday morning, then uh, feel free to come and visit with us and share the word, and we'll discern if that's something that is for the whole church body or just for you. Uh, so we've, we had a word come in this Sunday uh, that is just... Um, it's it's right in line with exactly what Adam's been uh, preaching on today. Um, and I think we could even just go straight into an activation of what Adam shared. So if you are someone that, uh, yeah, that there's areas of your work that it doesn't feel like it's bringing you joy, it's not coming out of a place of a full cup, there's an invitation from the Lord of he can come and enter into that place of work. Uh, he also just wants to affirm that this is a body of believers that uh, absolutely does a great job of, in order, encountering the love and power of God and then giving it away to the world. So having our cups filled and then pouring out. And that's really uh, where the Lord is inviting us into a joy, into a our work is when we're pouring out of a full cup. So uh, just felt like there was an invitation this morning for us. If, it, uh, if there's anyone that wants to have the Lord highlight to them an area where they are, they have this out of order, that they are giving out of an, a place of emptiness, out of a place of fear or obligation, um, you can just extend your hands out and pray with me now and just say, Lord, what does that look like? Will you show me a situation, a place at work, or um, you know, a place in my day as I'm doing my daily living activities that I am doing this out of fear or obligation? And so uh, perhaps there's maybe even uh, something coming to mind, uh, something specific. And then you can just pray into that and say, Lord, will you come and fill that situation with your grace and your love and your power? Will you show me what that looks like uh, to be able to do that part of my, my week uh, with you being a part of it? So we've also got another word from Mike Kramer. He's going to come and share it. Good morning. <clears throat> my name is Mike. And... Uh, there's something the Lord just been putting on my heart for the last couple of weeks, and it, um, He kept speaking to me, hearing impaired. And and I, first of all, I want to say that if there's those of you who have physical hearing impairment, I feel the Lord. There's grace for the Lord to to begin to touch your ears and to begin to touch uh, your ability to hear. But more importantly, there are those of you here that have said vocally and in your heart, "I want to hear God's voice." That's something that you have repeated, and you and you feel like you can't. And I and I just really feel there is grace this morning for God to open spiritual ears that you can hear Him, and uh, that that blockage that's been there. So if that speaks to your heart, I want to invite you to come forward and have someone pray for you. The other word the Lord spoke to me, and He said, "Just say this one word, prophetic." Now, when I said that word. He said to me that there's going to be people in here when they hear that word, something's going to spark in their heart. It, it, it's, it's almost like the picture I had was of, of uh, Elizabeth 
John the Baptist's mother, when she saw Mary, something went off in her. And so when I said that word, if something went off in your heart, you went, uh, wait, something just kind of, there's grace this morning for God to release gifting to you and a blessing to you. Okay? Thanks, Mike. So if any of these resonated, I invite you to come forward. That uh, the Coming forward is really just an act of, uh, of faith. So we, we've got teams up here. Um, our teams will be available, and Amy will keep playing. We'll give you a moment to respond. If we have any other ministry team folks who are available to pray, please, we've got some other people ready to, to receive prayer. ministry teams will be available to, to pray for you. Amy will continue praying, uh, playing. So if you want to sit in that, you're more than welcome. For those who have kids back in the children's ministry, I invite you to go and, and pick them up. If you need to leave, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you rest. Have a great week.